0: My guest today is Shikanda George. Shikanda is a hoodoo witch, eclectic ordained minister, herbalist, Reiki practitioner, empath, Yanni student, shaman apprentice, and believer in the creator of all. She has a great love for her ancestors and a heart to help heal. She wants you to know that healing starts with you. Shakanda, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to hear about your, I'm sure it's an incredible story, life story so far.
1: It really is, thank you
0: for having me. Wonderful, well, uh, first of all, if you wouldn't mind starting off by telling us what amazing things you're up to these days.
1: So right now I am, just started my shamanic um, apprenticeship, so I am learning to, practice shamanism. So that right now is at the forefront. I will be getting back into my herbs and all that other stuff, but my focus right now is the shamanism.
0: Can you, for the listeners who may not be totally familiar or may have a preconceived notion of what shamanism is,
1: explain what that is? So shamanism, how can I say this? Like medicine, people, healers. Like I said, I'm, I'm new, so I'm just getting into it.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: right, right. So
0: I, I, think so. From what I understand, uh, for people who do shamanism, is it a lot of work with with the earth and a lot, with the elements? There's like waters, and
1: elements, animals. It's, it's a, a, a totally earthy, encompassing. So they work with a lot of things.
0: Oh, how wonderful! Well, I'm excited to see where that where that takes you uh, down the road. I wanted to. Talk about what life was like for you when you were younger as it relates to your spiritual journey or your journey into uh, how you became what you call a
1: hoodoo witch. My childhood was very different because I grew up Christian, but I still had these gifts. I could still see things, hear things, feel things. But being in a Christian household, you are told, you know, these things are going to send you to hell. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. So that was a part of my life that I hid, but it was still showing up. So I didn't really embrace it until adulthood, until I did my own research. Childhood was just kind of staying in line and doing what I was told. What kind of experiences
0: did you have in your childhood?
1: just seeing spirits. Like I remember being maybe six or seven and I was, you know, sleeping in my bed and there was a big car crash in front of our house. And I look up and I can see the spirit faces on the windowsill. So that was the first thing that I remember. I remember being asleep one time and you just get that knowing feeling that somebody is watching you. And I wake up and I, there's a mirror behind me. I just kind of glanced really quick. And I saw, you know, a woman standing over me. So just things like that, just hearing things, everything that was happening when I was a kid. Do you know who that woman might have been? I have never, never been able to figure out who she was, or the boy that showed up in the corner after her. I just, I don't know.
0: Do you think that it maybe had to do with the house? Was the was the house inhabited by spirit? Or do you think it something different?
1: There were lots of spirits in the house, but that one in particular, I don't think that, that she inhabited the house because I didn't see her after that. I don't know. If she wasn't, if I wasn't afraid. She wasn't bad. I didn't get that. So I don't know.
0: It's almost like you had that experience so we could talk about it at this very moment. Pretty
1: much. Pretty much. <laughs> There's so many things that happened in, in the house that I grew up in. Did anybody else
0: in your family experience anything?
1: so my daughter i have a, I have four children, but two of them can see. I did not know until maybe a year ago that my mother can also see spirits, so she's never told me that my aunt can also see them. I have stories of great aunts who have practiced you know witchcraft spell work so All this is just coming to me. I was trying to figure out, okay, where am I getting this from? Because I was like the the black sheep. This was all, I loved all of this. I was like, where is it coming from? So now learning where it's coming from, as they're watching me practice and be happy practicing what I do, they're starting to come into their own things.
0: Oh, I love it. It's almost like an initiation, like when she figures it out herself, then we'll let her in on the the family secret. So tell me, what was that transition like from growing up in a Christian household to becoming
1: a, a hoodoo witch? I started to, I mean, I was fully encompassed into Christianity. I was studying to become a minister, but there were just certain things that didn't sit right with me. And I was like, well, something isn't. I would read things and it would just be like, "Mm, something's not right with that. So I just started researching for myself. And I think it was probably around 2015 that I was like, okay, not saying anything is wrong with Christianity at all. Everybody has their own path. But For me, it was kind of leaving that and going in this rabbit hole of all different types of spirituality, all different types of um, practices. At one point, I was I was just going through a really dark place. And I was like, "Okay, you got to send me somebody who can help me. I can't do this. And the very next morning, I get a message from a lady. Never met her in my life. She is a shaman and she is my teacher now. She has been a saving grace to me so working with her that has opened other doors for me so i'm like okay i'm just gonna go ahead and dip my foot into everything and see what comes up so that's pretty much how it happened and i started researching african spirituality which has a lot of paths to it but the one that i kept going back to was voodoo it just kept drawing me back and i was like okay wait a minute i like you but hold on let me see what's over here but yeah, I just kept getting drawn back to hoodoo. So that is where I am currently at with that with that path. Can you
0: explain hoodoo?
1: So hoodoo was brought over here by Africans. It's, it's considered an African American tradition, but it was brought over by Africans for the slaves who were here so that they could um, keep up with their traditions from their homeland. And also it was for survival to keep them together in groups and and that kind of stuff. So they also, they learned from Native Americans. So that kind of goes into the practice too.
0: What kind of practices does the hoodoo, what does it categorize as?
1: Just African spirituality, a part of that, but it's not, it's not a religion. It's more of a practice.
0: Practice. Practice. Okay. Got it.
1: So, I mean, they do a lot of things. I mean, if you think about the spell work or the healing work or the medicine women and men or the practice of trying to keep people safe, that kind of stuff. So it's, it, there's a lot to it. But if you think, if you really think about everything they do, you, you can kind of get bits and pieces from a lot of practices that they kind of just come from everywhere.
0: Got it. Um, So could you give an example of what a session with you might look like if someone came to you for something? First of all, what types of things do you tend to help people with? And what does it look like with the practice when you do help them?
1: So right now I am focusing on the self-love part of hoodoo. And that is a lot of uh, shadow work. There are self love. I guess you would call them spells, but self love work that you do with candles. So I am more on that path because I am still, I'm called I'm what they call a hoodoo a hoodoo baby practitioner. So I'm not as high up as you know my hoodoo teacher. I am also working on myself still. So I'm still learning to love myself. So I am working on the self love part. So when people come to me, it's more self love. And what would a session with you look like? I will do Reiki healing because I'm a Reiki practitioner as well. So I will start off with Reiki healing. I will show them how to prepare a self-love candle so that they can go home and work with that themselves. That's something they need to do privately. We will talk about anything from nutrition to mirror work, anything that they are, because everybody's different. So every person that you talk to is going to either connect with something you're offering or not. So it really depends on the individual.
0: Would you say that you use
1: your intuition a lot when you do your work? My intuition and their words. So it's a conversation that's going on. So I'm listening. I listen very well. That's the one thing I do. So the conversation when I'm listening to what they're saying, and then you know, I always have this one ancestor, my aunt, who's always there. I listen to her, too. So I get a a combination of this side of the veil and that side of the veil.
0: Ooh, good. I'm glad you brought up your aunt and ancestors, because I wanted to talk about who you work with a lot from the other side. Can you talk a bit more about the ancestors you work with and how they work with you?
1: So the one I work with the most is my aunt because she's the one that's always here. This lady shows up for pretty much everybody who comes in contact with me. That's just how she is. Um, I also have spirit guides that I work with, and they're for different things. Like I have. Uh, Reiki spirit guides. I have um, shamanic healing guides. I have healing guides that are just walking with me. So it just depends on who shows up. I do know names of set ones that I work with.
0: Okay. So I have to ask, first of all, with your aunt, how did you know it was your aunt when when she first started coming through and helping you?
1: So at first I did not know. I got tricked at first because it was new to me. So it took a long time for me to learn to feel her energy, to know that it was her, because there are familiar spirits that can tell you anything. So I had to connect with her energy to make sure that, okay, yeah, I know this person. I know this energy. I know this person who loved me and cared for me so it was all about me connecting with her energy.
0: Is she one of the family members that also did this kind of work? Is that why
1: she's a part of your work now? I don't think she did this kind of work at all. I'm not hearing oh, interesting. yeah, I'm not hearing any stories about her. But I do know that she was here on earth. She was the protector. I learned I learned about love from her because she loved me so well. And I think that she is here helping me to mostly protect me because I get calls from you know people from people in my circle. And they're like, "Well, your aunt showed up. And she's a very feisty lady, and she loves you very much." So it's more like that. I think she kind of just keeps me protected and surrounded.
0: Oh, how wonderful! And if she was the one to show you and provide you that love in life, what a perfect channel to work. With and frequency to work with between that world and this world. So she really is also probably a, like a conduit for you too. Can you tell me about your journey with your spirit guides? Because uh, I am a big fan of spirit guides. I have mine that I, that I work... I know we all have them, but um, ones that I know that I work with pretty closely. Uh, when did you first learn about spirit guides and what are spirit guides to you?
1: So I first started... Um... Learning about them when I was doing work with um, a lady named Jo who was helping me with connecting with my own intuition and trusting myself. So that's how I came into Spirit guides. I did receive a couple that day. It was another aunt that I've never met. When I started doing Reiki, that's how I became more interested in Spirit guides because they showed up for Reiki. So for me, Spirit Guides are, you know, they guide me, they help me. When I feel like I'm stuck or I can't get through a situation, I can call on my spirit guides to help me. Also spirit animals. So I have those two power animals, we call them. For me, I am a person who will not tell the world what I'm doing. I'll just do it. So I know that I have this mole power animal who just kind of burrows in that hole and pops up and you don't know where it came from. And that's going to be me. So it just depends on what I need to do that I will call on a spirit guide to help me with that.
0: Have you learned when it's an ancestor, when it's a spirit guide, when it's a family member spirit guide, have you been able to tell the difference now?
1: Yes. they. I know who they are. I know their energy. If I'm confused, I'll, I'll just say, you know, who is this? And, you know, they'll tell me, and then I'll know if it's them or not.
0: Got it. So that probably took some time to to develop and, and figure out.
1: It took a few years for me because, like I said, when I first got into that, I was tricked. So it did take a while for me to not be in a situation where I'm thinking, okay, you're telling me you're this, but something's not right, but you said you were this. So I had to get into that one.
0: Ooh, can you, can you get into that a little bit about being tricked by spirit?
1: Yeah. And it was actually, Ah. so what had happened was I had started working with a pendulum and I thought I was talking to my aunt, found out later that I was not. I don't know who I was talking to, but like I said, I was new, just learning. But yeah, this I was listening to this spirit and I i didn't do anything, which is good, but I was still listening, hoping that what they were saying was going to come to pass. It did not. Um, it, came, well, it came to pass in a way that it shouldn't have. So, yeah.
0: So it's almost like a spirit who didn't have your best interest. No. They just saw an opportunity to interact with somebody who was open. Yeah.
1: And I, at that point I hadn't learned yet to put up that protection around me to where I'm not just letting any spirit in contact with me or come into my home. I mean, there's a lot of things that I had to learn. Like my children, you know, just being that beacon of light with all these spirits and just are showing up. So I had to, learn to protect my household, that was another thing. I, I was so open that I wasn't protecting myself.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so a couple questions. First, who? what kind of entity do you think that was that tricked you through the pendulum? Was it uh, like a, a human soul? Do you think it was more of a low-vibing entity? or
1: Trickster is what is what I think it was. It's just named Trickster and it's a name that I actually uh-huh. just recently learned about spirits who are on in certain, certain levels. So I think it was just trickster spirit.
0: Is a trickster spirit a human spirit? Can it be a human
1: spirit? A crossover, or crossover. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So somebody who just likes to be a trickster. Pretty and- much.
1: Pretty much. And it's, <laughs> it's familiar with, with my family.
0: Oh, I see. You have to know okay, the got
1: it. so they're called familiar spirits and they know your family. They're just not of your family. So
0: could it be like uh, an acquaintance or a friend of the family who maybe
1: passed, or is it something not so human? It can be that, it can be just another spirit that's over there that just knows your information of your family line.
0: I see. I see. Uh, so would you mind sharing, you mentioned protection. Uh, what is your practice when it comes to protecting yourself and your family and your home?
1: Of course, I have the white light of protection that's around my home that I make sure that I'm saying, oh, okay, there's, that I'm visualizing this white light of protection. I have um, selenite crystals in the corners of my home. I have brooms up by the door black salt so it just it it just depends everybody's different but that's me I'm sprinkling stuff I'm cleaning with Florida water and you know bombing my house with frankincense and myrrh it's a lot of stuff got it got it so uh, (laughs) on top
0: of the visualizations you also have a lot of uh, physical objects as well to provide the
1: protection I do yep your home seems impenetrable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I try,
1: I try, because there are so many. Uh, well, there's three of us so doing. No, because um, I have uh, two grandsons. I'm pretty sure they see. I'm, I'm definitely sure that my older grandson he sees. So I have to keep my house like a fortress. So there is a light of fortress and stuff everywhere.
0: You guys, I know, because probably from an energetic perspective, your house is like this uh this is like a spotlight for spirit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. So bright, so bright with all these open individuals and so much, I'm sure, love and loving individuals as mm-hmm. well uh doing doing this work. Is there and I and I don't mean to sound uneducated about this. But is there is there a dark side to hoodoo? Kind of like how with with witchcraft in general there's, you know, g- good witches who do the white light work and then maybe the ones who don't do so much of the white light. Is does the same go with hoodoo or is it all love?
1: So there is no dark side. My my hoodoo teacher gets very upset when you use that term dark side, dark magic. It is not the practice, it's the practitioner. Practice is not dark. It is all love. It is all help. It is the person who uses it incorrectly.
0: Oh wow, that's uh, such a great way to put it. It reminds me. It reminds me of people and their dogs, like pit bulls, for instance, and how pit bulls they get this really bad rep because of their owners and how they train them. So uh, what a great perspective that you put on that. So so thank you for that. Very eye-opening and so true on so many levels. Mm -hmm. So true on so many levels. How do your guides, going back to your spirit guides, how do they connect with you? Do you just get like these aha moments? Is it like a gut feeling? How do they communicate with you?
1: So with the spirit guides, I mean, I just, it's weird. I get this pressure on top of my head. So I know they're coming in. Whereas with ancestors, it just, they mess with my ear. So it's they always mess with my ear. So I know it's them. So ancestors are ears. Spirit guides are pressure to my head.
0: Oh, I love that. And again, probably took some time to kind of notice that pattern. Yeah, with, with
1: uh, my teacher, Joe she had to, you know, open my head up to that. Okay, your ear keeps getting messed with, so maybe. And I was like, okay, let me think about that. So, yeah. How would
0: you explain to somebody, uh, you know, if they wanted to work with their ancestors, what's the best way to do so, so that you're working with ancestors who have your best interest at heart and who are on the same level as your mission in life?
1: So, for me personally i had to work with another ancestral worker and she sent me to the river to do an offering to open up that channel and so i did that and that's pretty much how it started for me with is with that offering to the river and that's when they started to show up most people will tell you to do ancestral altars and all that but you really don't have to do that you can just talk to them they can hear you it's just like okay i need your help tell them who you are tell them who you're looking for make sure it is a high vibrational ancestor that make sure you say that because you can get any ancestor that you some that you may not want so i'm always asking you know you know ancestors i need your help please high vibrational spirits only you may not know your ancestor names so just you know, say ancestors unknown, but just make sure it is the good ancestors.
0: What are your thoughts on ancestral trauma and that chain between the living and any trauma that ancestors may have experienced? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that we are here to heal that trauma. You, if, you, if you feel called to work with ancestors, then that probably means that you are the person that they chose to heal the trauma in your ancestral mind. So for me, that would be me. I am still learning on that aspect too. But yeah, if you feel called to it, then it's probably what you need to be doing.
0: What, what are some ways that people can heal any sort of ancestral trauma or maybe any sort of trauma that they feel they may have carried on through their lineage? It takes
1: a lot of shadow work, which is <laughs> I'm still learning and something that is just horrible for me.
0: It's hard. It's yeah. very
1: hard. And it, it's a little confusing still for me. So I'm still working on that. If you're not sure, though, I would definitely try to find someone who is more experienced in that. I have a voodoo teacher that I work with. So I am still learning to do all that. There's also um, priests and priestesses of African spirituality like Ifa and in Stuff like stuff like those. It's what you're drawn to, and they are the ones who are going to help you with learning how to heal your ancestral
0: line. I can see why it would be important to have guidance there with you when you do that shadow work. Would you mind briefly explaining what shadow work is for those who may not know? That is a hard
1: one for me because <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's a big oh, one. Huh? God, yes. <laughs> so um, for me, it is it dealing with the parts of me that are hidden that I have to work with a book when I do this. So it's a book that has prompts and questions and I'm answering the questions, trying to bring out those hidden parts of me that I've never dealt with before. So I, can, I would love to give you an overall lovely response to that, but I am still new to it myself.
0: Well, I think that that's a really great place to start, um, you know, as far as what shadow work is, because I think that just the word shadow work, it, it doesn't mean we're working with shadowy figures or something like that. It has to do with the shadows within our own, I don't know, lives, emotions, our our mentality uh, that we just need to like you said, deal with and work to heal to then, you know, move forward or, or whatever it is that we are needing to do for ourselves. But it is doing sort of that really difficult work, Mm -hmm. work where uh, most people just want to kind of keep it shoved down and, and out of their, out of their
1: mind. Yeah, I'm I'm answering the questions. I I do a shadow work prompt book and I'm answering these questions and I'm rereading them days later. I'm like, whoa. Where did that come from? Is that how I really feel? And I'm just reading. It's like, geez. And there are many times where I'm doing it. I'm just like, okay, I'm not doing this. I want to do this. And I just give up. But I go back to it because it's it's not easy. It is not easy at all.
0: So for your practice, why is it important to do the shadow work?
1: Because I have to heal myself first before I can actually help anyone else. Anybody who tells you, oh, I'm healed, I'm perfect, run. Do not let them touch you. (laughs) I have to do the work myself. How can I not do the work myself and then tell you to do something if I don't know how to do it for me? So it's really important to do the inner work for myself so that I can be as authentic as I need to be for others.
0: Would you say that healing that part, those parts of you or in general is, is a lifelong process? Well, will it get to a point where, you know, you're, you're healed enough to now help others? You've dealt with it for long enough that you can now help others. Um, But it still is this lifelong process of healing, just perhaps on a different level.
1: Definitely a lifelong process. But yeah, I am to a point now where I am helping others. I know that I have done enough work in me to where others are seeing it too, where people are just getting in touch with me. Like, can you help me? And I'm just like, oh, that's great. So yes, if, if, if I didn't start to do it for myself, then my energy or whatever you want to call it is not going to connect with anybody else's to want to say, oh, she can help me. So if I'm this broken mess, not doing any work, people are going to see that.
0: Oh, you bring up a really good point. You know, now that it—it's almost like the universe knows you're in or in in the right spot where they're bringing the people to you and making it happen. Now that you've done the work, and I imagine too, healing must still also occur through other people's processes as well. I, I can see how that can also benefit the practitioner when they see the healing occurring uh, with their with the people that they work with
1: I have a lot of healers around me so we are all there for each other and that is a beautiful thing like um, I just did a, a ceremony where um, I had to release you know some things that didn't serve me anymore so that for me had a lot to do with my marriage and I did a ceremony where I burned my wedding dress and I had all these beautiful healers around me and we are all healing from just this one piece of my life. So what we do, it kind of just travels to a lot of people. You think you're doing it for yourself, but you're not. You're doing it for others because they're getting healing from that too.
0: Oh, what how, how beautifully said. Uh, you're right, because... Um, even like in mediumship readings or readings when I do readings with people's spirit guides, a lot of it will resonate for a lot of people listening in. It's not just for the person who asked that question. And a lot of it too is we're so we're so connected energetically. All of us are so connected. One person's healing, especially if, we're, if you're really, really empathic, you know, we could pick up on the healing of others, the sadness of others. And so how beautiful. So to to wrap up our interview, I do want to ask you, the Shikanda of today, what advice would you give the Shikanda from your past?
1: To not listen to what other people have to say about you all the time. That the real power is in me and I have to find that power within me. Basically, yeah, just not to listen to what other people tell me I am because I have to find out who I am on my own that is that's my message and just to keep moving with grace and ease
0: what a beautiful message um you know the power within not listening to the outside noise and being influenced by that so what a wonderful what wonderful advice for the listener thank you so much for that and thank you so much for your time and for sharing your amazing journey with us and your knowledge with us. I really do appreciate you. So thank you so much. And thank you to your, to your ancestors and your guides as well for
1: being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. This is, this is a new part for me too. I've, I've been interviewed twice. It's very hard for me to do it. So I am grateful too. So. (laughs)
0: Well, you were a natural. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast thank you so much for tuning in and until next time love and light always